You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, and I'm your host, Brett Fisher. I'm a DevOps dude, a course creator, and an open source maintainer in the world of container and cloud-native DevOps. These episodes are edited down, audio-only versions of my YouTube live show that you can join every Thursday at brett.live. This podcast is made possible by my Patreon members. I'd like to thank all of you patrons for your continued support. It means a lot. Your podcast player should have the show notes for this episode, including links to the original show on YouTube, topics or tools we might discuss, how to support this show with Patreon, and links to get discount coupons on all my courses. You can always get those notes and links at brettfisher.com. In this episode, I'm joined by Anais of Aqua Security. And we talk about several of their open source tools, including Trivi, Tracy, and more. You've likely heard me mention Trivi before on the show because it's what I've been using for over four years to scan for known vulnerabilities in my own container images and my clients, and things are changing. So I'm glad we had this episode now. Trivi continues to get more features, and we'll go into this in the show, as well as Tracy, a new tool that is part of a new generation of tools that use the Linux kernel eBPF feature to investigate what's happening in real time on your servers. If you've listened to the Liz Rice show a few episodes ago, we talked a lot about eBPF and what the future might hold for this generation of tools. And Tracy, that's spelled T-R-A-C-E-E, is one of many tools trying to be a watchdog on your cluster nodes. Anais is great as an explainer of Kubernetes and all cloud-native things, and she's the creator of the 100 Days of Kubernetes tutorials, as well as her own YouTube channel, where she breaks down various cloud-native topics for beginners. Of course, links to all that stuff are in the show notes. Based on what I've learned in this show from Anais, I plan to change how I use Trivi so that it's scanning more things and more often in my CI automation pipelines So I hope you enjoy this episode with Anais of Aqua Security. Hello, and welcome to the show. My name is Brett. All the way from the other side of the pond, we have Anais from Aqua Security. Hello. Um, Hi, thank you for having me. Sure. Thanks for being on the show. You've probably seen Anais's videos. She has her own channel, actually, by the way. So go check that out. The links are below. You showed up a couple of years ago, and your videos were fantastic. I love them. Two years ago. I had my two-year anniversary in the cloud native space. Nice. And I started two years ago, well, nearly two years ago, December with my YouTube channel. Yeah. It has been a while now. It's yeah. exciting. Two years. Like if you could make it and two years on YouTube. Videos. Right. Yeah. I reached 100 videos. That's a really nice well. number too. Yeah. That's, a, that's amazing milestone. Yeah. 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 That's and all we can 100. think about is how we have to get back into it. Like we got to get back there. <laughs> 100 videos. I need 100 more. That is the YouTube game. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show today. We've been planning this for a while, uh, actually for many months, and we both had to find the free time to make it happen. But we're both learning and sharing our Kubernetes journey, our container journey together. And that's what I think is interesting about some of your content is that you're learning it. It's almost like we're learning it with you. And it's kind of fun that way. It's like, oh, look at this. I can check this out kind of stuff. So I appreciate that point of view because when you already know something so well, it's sometimes hard to pretend you're a new person and figure that out. So if you haven't followed her on Twitter, she's got a new puppy. I've got a three-year-old that's about 
to hit three-year-old puppy. She's got a younger puppy, and we were before the show talking about puppy training and all their weird habits. So follow us on the other socials for all the puppy pup pics. Yep. Mine has its own Instagram, so. Oh, as, mine too. As you do, right? <laughs> What's yeah. your name? It's VB Finn, VB underscore Finn. What's yours? It's a Katie's Adventures. <laughs> Katie's Adventures. All right. Katie's. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. So yeah, besides dog pics, Anis has, Aqua Security has a bunch of open source security tools. And we've talked yeah. about them for years on this show, but I've never, I don't think I've ever had, maybe once, we've had a dedicated Aqua Security show to talk about a lot of the open source you create. But I thought yeah. it was great that we have it again, because there's so much stuff happening. You all are adding new features at a fairly rapid pace. So oh, let's yeah. jump in. Let's jump in. Awesome. So first off, what is Aqua Security? What do I go to Aqua Security for? So Aqua Security itself has two main sections, the enterprise part and then the open source part. And the enterprise part is pretty much focused on securing the supply chain. I know you've talked that you had with Chengard, you talked a lot about software supply chain and how to secure it and different aspects to it. Well, this is an enterprise tool that helps organizations do that at scale in an automated way with lots of integration which is amazing. Uh, however, it might not be the best thing for everybody, especially individuals, individual contributors, other open source engineers. So that's one of the reasons why we have an extensive like list of open source projects, the main one being Trivi. And these open source projects, they are there for a different set of users, but also they drive innovation at Aqua. So a lot of the things that are happening within Aqua feedback into the open source projects, but also the open source projects are integrated into the enterprise project. So it's not like what you see in other companies where you have open source and then the enterprise is plus other features. It's more like that Trivi is integrated in a different way in the enterprise part. So it's not just Trivi plus something else, but it's just under the hood using Trivi, for example. And then same with the other project. And I think the one that people know the most about in the open source list of products is Trivi, which I found, I don't know if it was early on in the project, but I found early on because it had... Yeah the most comprehensive vulnerability scanning results. Back when, this was years ago, but back when not all the scanners were properly scanning Alpine vulnerabilities in the Alpine distribution. And it basically, if a scanner can't find all the stuff in distribution, it just shows nothing. It says, oh, I can't yeah. find anything, which makes you think that everything's secure. And then Trivi, I would scan with Trivi, and suddenly it shows me all these vulnerabilities in my Alpine release. And I realized, oh, my other scanners aren't working so we started using Trivi in that project. It was with a customer, a client of mine, and we switched all of our scanners out for Trivi, which is entirely yeah. open source scanning. And I've stuck with that in all my projects, all my demos ever since. And Amazing. It, it's only gotten better. So for those of you who have not tried out Trivi, we are going to talk about some specific changes and new features that you maybe didn't know about if you're someone who's maybe tried Trivi before, maybe a couple of years ago, and you didn't realize it's got all this new stuff. So let's just talk about yeah. the basics real quick. So Trivi itself. What is Trivi? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It started off as a vulnerability scanner. So probably when you first started using Trivi, you thought it was really focused on vulnerabilities. And that's one of the main aspects that it still does, vulnerability scanning. So whatever resource you're scanning, it can show you then what kind of vulnerabilities, for example, your packages that you include in your projects have. So you can scan your file systems, you can scan your container images, for vulnerabilities, you can scan Git repositories, lots of different scan targets for vulnerabilities. But that's 
right now or by now just one of the features that Trivi has. The other main part is misconfiguration scanning. So that was actually the next part that was added to Trivi. And Trivi is using another project called TFSEC under the hood, for example, specifically Terraform misconfiguration scanning. And misconfiguration scan tells you when you package up your resources into infrastructure as code configurations, any form of configurations could be Kubernetes manifest, it could be Terraform, it could be something else, it could be a the Docker file itself, anything that's configuring your application, then it can show you if something is not configured in the best way, in the most optimized, most secure way. So these are like the most, the two main components to Trivi. And now we have been like throughout the past year, particularly, we have been adding more and more features around that to make the scanning more comprehensive and allow you for scanning in different environments, such as to scan directly the running resources in your Kubernetes cluster, or to also generate SBOMs, and other resources of your resources. So there's lots of different components, lots of different moving parts. And it's a lot of times when people get started with Trivi, it's a little bit difficult to really identify those different parts that are feeding into Trivi and make Trivi this all-in-one security scanner, if you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way that I think most of us understand Trivi is the CVE scanner, which for those that haven't seen one of my hundred shows that I probably mentioned Trivi in, I use it a lot to GitHub Actions. So I always want Trivi to scan my images right after I build them to yeah. make sure that my vulnerability set isn't increasing over time. So I have videos about GitHub Actions and Trivi is one of those demos that I do. I have the samples all in that repo. If you just go to my GitHub and search for GitHub Actions, you can find all this stuff. And a lot of us are, if we haven't scanned our images before, we're usually kind of surprised and shocked at how much there is to begin with, like hundreds of vulnerabilities or potentially even thousands of vulnerabilities in your image if you haven't chosen a better secure image. But that's what Trivi's trying to do, right? It's trying to expose these things in my images. But now I have the ability to scan other things with it. So I need to go back to my GitHub Actions and add scanning the YAML. Is that what you're doing is just pointing it at a YAML set, a manifest or something? So what you mentioned is the vulnerability scanning. You will have, right, you will have this table and the table classifies the different vulnerabilities and like how severe are they? And then like when you have this list of, I don't know, 100, 200 vulnerabilities, the table or the classification and the additional information to those vulnerabilities will help you like filter them out and really like take care of the most important ones right away. Now, what you can do is uh, with the misconfiguration scan. So before you even build the container image and scan then the container image, you could scan your Docker file for misconfiguration issues. So it, for example, will tell you if you don't have a user defined, that's what the misconfiguration scan does. It then has like, not a table, but like a list of different things that you <laughs> And then you can build from the get-go a more secure image that is not necessarily like the vulnerability scan checks the packages and all of the resources that go into the image, but it doesn't check how the image is built if it is built, the build process is the best. Right. Well, one of the challenges is uh, for a lot of people is they don't know where a lot of these tools belong in their workflows. They, you know, they're always confused by, do I wait till it, you know, do I do this on my server? Do I do this on my local machine? Do I do it in Jenkins or whatever I have as my CI solution? And it sounds like this is starting to be a tool that I'm going to be running two or three times throughout my oh, yeah. tool chain. <laughs> yeah, because you're right. Like yeah. if I have a misconfiguration in my Docker file, why bother wasting resources to build the image if I already know that the Docker file is probably going to get me in trouble, right? So um, yeah. I, I think the same, as we normally say in the security space for a lot of these things, you know, you turn it in audit mode first so that you don't 
hurt your team's workflow by blocking everything. But eventually, as you get more mature, you should enable it to basically exit one or exit other than zero so that your CI will actually stop and say, you can't go forward because you have a misconfiguration or you have a critical vulnerability and we don't allow any critical vulnerabilities. I'm the one that ends up implementing this for teams. And a lot of times I'm very nervous about breaking their workflows or preventing work from getting done. And I don't want to upset the apple cart too much, right? So I don't know if you ever see stories of that. Yeah, it's a fine line between like integrating security scanning and blocking people or disrupting their their existing processes, right? Kind of the the reluctance to having that change. And then also the frustration of having yet another thing to take care of, right? And that's why I think it's so important to really use Trevi at different stages because not every stage will capture everything. There's one part. And then also... It will allow you to to take care of different resources along the way. So it's not like once, like at the end when you've built everything, that's when you check the your resources for security issues, and that's when you bombard it with this long list, and that's yeah. obviously then overwhelming. Yeah. yeah, I sort of decided this year that anything more than twenty in my vulnerability list, and I I table <laughs> I table flip because <laughs> humans can't really comprehend what the real risk when you start talking about dozens yeah. or hundreds of vulnerabilities in your images particularly when we we talk about just high and critical it it's too much work it's like it's just it's insanity to think that you're going to spend 6 months going to try to cut down all these vulnerabilities and trace trace them you yep. i let's just say i have not seen a client or customer of mine yet who's willing to do that level of work so we usually at that point have to go back and say okay Let's look at our base image. This maybe is just all coming from our base image. And let's just go look at that. And that's when people learn about slim images and Alpine and the new yeah. Wolfie that I'm talking about that, that we talked about. Yeah. These basically these base images, whether it's DistroList or whatever, that get us out of trouble to begin with so that our application, we can control our application dependencies. But a lot of time, those base images, we can't do a lot about those vulnerabilities other than find a new base image. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So we have a question slightly related to Trivi in which they were asking about the operator for Trivi, which I did not know about. Is there an operator? Yeah. So, oh yeah. So the thing is, Trivi has been adopting more and more features for the, really for the cloud native environment to cater for cloud native projects. And one of them is that Trivi allows you to scan running resources as well inside of your cluster through the CLI. But that's really ad hoc scanning, right? Like you have to run the scan inside of your terminal to get the output and then do something with it. You can't really get on a continuous basis reports and you can't really get an overview of the state of your running resources over time. That doesn't work with the CLI out of the box. So the Trivi operator is a Kubernetes operator. And what a Kubernetes operator does, it has usually one main job and then has to also run continuous scans to perform that job. So operators usually scan either particular resources or some kind of resources in your cluster on a continuous basis. And then if their job is triggered, they run their job, they do that particular task, and then they wait until it's triggered again. So in the case of the trivia operator, for vulnerability scans, for instance, it will check all of your container images within your cluster and scan all of your container running container images within your cluster for vulnerabilities. Now, if any of those container images changes, if the tag changes, it will rerun this on that new container image, on that new tag. Or if there's a new deployment, a new container image spun up and running inside of a closet, then it will also automatically run a scan. So the operator is ultimately listening, like looking for any new container images, any new running workloads within the cluster that it can scan for vulnerabilities. And the same is done for other security scans from within your cluster. 
So for example, in Kubernetes, it's quite easy to maybe have, well, semi-easy, to have exposed secrets that are related to some application. And sometimes it's very difficult to identify those. No, Trivi, the CLI can tell you if you have any exposed secrets. It will also tell you that whenever you run any security scan with Trivi with the CLI, but the operator in addition does it on a continuous basis from within your cluster. So for example, if somebody is doing manual changes within your cluster and needs to supply a secret to your cluster, if they're in a hurry, they might not take particular care of how they pick up that secret and it might get exposed. Now, then the operator could tell you that within a scan. So that would be, for example, one use case. But yeah, there are several different scans that the operator does. And it's just, it's there to make your life easier, ultimately, to to run all those scans on a continuous basis. And then you can feed it into other tools, the results. Yeah, that's that's a challenge too, because we, we don't want to upset the existing workflow. In fact, someone said that, uh, this is actually, I think, a nice approach is that for vulnerabilities or issues, whether it's Kubernetes issues, image issues, that basically to grant grandfather in or grant permission for the old CVEs you found and to not try to block on those, but any new ones and separating out tech debt from new problems. That's actually a really nice approach. I like that approach because I do the same thing with linting. I implement linters for teams and it always upsets their apple cart and workflow because if you have an existing project that you've never linted, just like an image that you've never scanned, you're going to get a ton of feedback and who's got time for all that right now, right? Like we all got to get, we all got to ship features, get work done and we have to reduce toil, but also we have to keep pushing the stuff. So I certainly, I recognize that that's a common thing for most teams. They're very nervous about implementing these tools because they're afraid that everyone will just hate them (laughs) because they're going to blame the person for the tool's opinion around something. So that's a great, that's a great tip. We were talking about like the challenge of... Now that Trivi can scan all this stuff, we don't do want to we don't want to do it manually. And no, and this is like one of the jobs of DevOps, right? Is we get a new tool, we learn about it, but it's not. It shouldn't be us running the tool. We should really automate it. So it's wonderful that this is an in cluster feature because then I don't have to go create a, a you know a whole way for my Trivi scanner and GitHub Actions to talk to my clusters and how to do that securely, you know, and have access to production and. That gets really, you know, when you have CI that has access to production, it gets a, you get a little nervous because there's a lot yeah. of potential for doing bad things there. But if you're, you can do it in cluster and then have it just push out results, I really like that approach. That's that that appeals to me in my security conscious DevOps approach, I guess. So, all right, so that's free too, right? Open open source on on the operator. So we've got Trivi. We're going to put that in yeah. our CI. Like you can run it locally, yeah. but. I would advise all teams, once you've gotten used to it, put it in your automation, whatever your CI solution is, put it in there, figure out, like, you could probably put it in there for scanning your YAML, scanning your Docker file, scanning your image once it's built. You could, you know, each one of those methods has different benefits. And then you're, then you mature. I won't say it's like you graduate and you're like, I want this in my cluster and I want to know the current state of my cluster. We talked a lot about drift on this show in the past and how configuration drift can yeah. creep in your cluster without you knowing it. Yeah, but what you mentioned regarding using Trivi versus the operator, it's also like that Trivi obviously is more focused on like the pre-deployment part. And then once it's running, once you have your running workloads, that's when you want to have the checks happening on a continuous basis. Like some applications might be running in the background for a long time and there could be new vulnerabilities exposed, something like that. But what you also mentioned regarding the automation, like automation is great, but what I like to tell people is when you automate things, make sure that you also set up alerts that you make 
your tools scream at you? Because the thing is, the main, what you mentioned regarding security, right? When people have all those, like those long vulnerability lists or like those long lists of security issues, they get vulnerability fatigue. They don't want to look at them anymore, right? And it's easy for security tools or security alerts to just be ignored and to just look away because my application, if it's still running, if people can still use it, if they have, if it has great uptime, great reliability otherwise, right? Even if it's insecure, who cares if they can still use it until it's too late, right? Until they have to care about the security and you don't want to have to your users to care about the security. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sort of a related question around in your pipelines, what's the go, no go criteria you've settled on when scanning? The approach I've taken with some of my consulting clients, and Anis, tell me if this is a sound mm -hmm. plan because I might be doing it wrong. But we, we do the auditing thing first, right? Audit only. And so it's reporting. It's not alerting because we're going to get failure. We're going to get CVEs showing up in every yep. scan at first because we haven't scanned before and our image is probably full of them. And then we will take a, an approach where either, it, it depends on the team, honestly. I've had teams where the only motivator is blocking CI. So it's, it's not a great approach. I don't like doing that approach at first because you're just going to make some people upset. But sometimes I will work with teams where the ops team is mandated to implement zero critical CVEs in production policies, yeah. but the dev team doesn't work for them. And the dev team has deadlines and they're focused on other things. And they're, you know, they, and so there may be not a fully DevOps SRE modern team structure. So we end up, the, yeah. the ops team basically has to say on this day, our scans if we scan any critical vulnerabilities, we will prevent the image from going to production. It's a very yeah. hard approach to take, but sometimes that's necessary. I much rather work with the devs. We reduce the critical and high vulnerability debt, and then we turn it on for any new stuff. I don't know what you've seen with your all's customers, but how does that, is that similar to anything you all are approaching with your recommendations? I guess it's, that's one of them and that you can easily, I mean, also configure through Trivi. And then again, what you mentioned, it really depends on the team. Like, how does your team work? Where would they like to, where are they most reactive, right? Some people might be most reactive when they get alerts in a Slack channel or once the deployment is actually running or yeah, some, I mean, it also depends on who's responsible for which part of the application stack, right? If you're responsible for containerizing your application that you built, like your services, or if that's somebody else who's then like packaging up your application, like should developers write the manifest, the configurations, or mm. are they not responsible for that? And then depending on that, I guess, where is the block more, most effective? Um, yeah. Right. What else have I seen? That's a good question. All yeah. the different ways, probably. Yeah. Well, and it's that, like, there's not one way, I guess. Yeah, you're right. And <laughs> it's culture. One way. It's very much a culture yeah. thing too. Yeah. If your team is pretty savvy on, on the modern, like, does your team know what CVEs are? Have they ever run a scanner before? Because a lot of times I'll work with teams and once the vulnerability happens, let's say I'm, I will fail the builds or the CI pipelines yeah. or the deployment pipelines, whatever, if I get only criticals, like I won't, at first, maybe I don't care about highs, mediums and lows. Most of the teams I work with, they settle into blocking on highs and criticals and then the rest they report on, but they don't block on because there's sometimes there's just so many. Yeah. But when we start, like we will start, we'll tiptoe in and say only criticals. But a lot of times what will happen yeah. is it's the developers that have to fix it because it's a dev dependency. Mm -hmm. It's a database driver yeah. or some JavaScript yeah. library. So they have to fix it, but they may not really understand what they have to do to fix it. Like they see this error yeah. and it says vulnerability, but they're like, 
how did it get there? Where do I go? How do I find what it is? And they're maybe not, if you're on a big mm. enough project, they maybe don't even know what that app is because they didn't add the module. They're just, yeah. looking, you know, it's a very big monolith, right? Imagine a big monolith yeah. with a hundred yeah, totally. dependencies. Yeah. So it just kind of depends. Yeah. I think it's very, very dependent. But tiptoe, that's my general recommendation. Tiptoe in slowly. Reporting, do it immediately. Like report all the time. Always report. But eventually you're right. People it, will ignore yeah. it. Sorry. Yeah. Just regard, no, regarding the tiptoe part that a lot of times when organizations are super motivated to change their entire workflow to make it more secure, focus on supply chain security best practices, and then it disrupted so much that it's actually realized it was too much and it doesn't mm. work with how the team used to operate. So we have also companies who went for the Aqua Enterprise project and then realized it was too much. It was not what they were looking for. And then went to Trivi and, and integrated with Trivi. So start small and then expand from there. So that would be the most critical parts of your, your application. That <laughs> is great advice. That's generally yeah. the advice that anyone on just doing any of Filter. this stuff should take, right? Yeah. Don't try to implement a 20 cluster rancher, super cluster with multi-cluster manager and all the things that it does before you've built and understood the single cluster, right? So like, it's the yeah, kind of, yeah, it's the same totally. thing where we all tend to want to sprint before we walk and it's a problem, but start small. Yeah. Great. Well, we had this other tool I want to definitely get to. Before we get to the yeah. to, to, to Tracy, you said before the show, I was talking about other tools you had like KubeBench. Um, KubeHunter. KubeBench and KubeHunter. So yeah, so KubeBench is basically a CIS compliance scan. So CIS is was one of the cluster compliance guidelines that basically checks mm -hmm. is everything configured correctly. You have that, that's the main one. And then you have NSA compliance scans as well. Now, Trivi does know NSA compliance scans as well. And the idea is basically that you have a project that used to be separate within the Aqua open source world, they're merging more into Trivi. So Trivi does know compliance scan as well, but KubeBench itself built CAS scans and it's used by several companies. It's just one of those features that's slowly integrating into Trivia as well. Now, KubeHunter is kind of pen testing for your cluster that can find, you can run it on your cluster and you can find issues within your cluster. I haven't actually, confession, I haven't actually run it actively, like to a great extent. I know what it does, but that's as far as it goes. <laughs> I haven't had much of a need for it so yeah. far. Again, it's like, Usually larger corporations that run it or integrate with it as well. Yeah. And that is, is that also getting integrated to Trivi or is that going to stay a standalone tool? I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think so far it's planned to, like, to be separate. There's also, it's really like catering to a niche to a, like we realize it's really a niche of users that, yeah, that are integrating with it. They are using it actively. So it definitely has. It is popular and it has been very popular for a long time and people know it, but yeah, there's lots of discussions of like, how should it evolve? So if you are your Panther user, then let us know what you would like to see. It's all open source. You can participate in the conversations. We also have a Slack channel if you have any questions and if you want to get involved or if you have any thoughts on it, but yeah, it's a very specific tool. Yeah. To it sounds really cool. And it sounds that. also, it's, well, it sounds like it's not a tool for someone. Like if you're just now learning Trivi, you probably should hold off a little bit on Kube Hunter because yeah. you probably need to implement, like yep. this comes at it from a different angle, right? Because this isn't really about things inside my container. This is more about the cluster itself and maybe what I'm exposing and not exposing. Is that? Yeah, so that's really the running resources within and um, any security issues they they might be exposing. Yeah, 
Yeah, some of the things like accessing the Kubernetes API server, accessing the Kubelet API, like, yeah, yeah, some of the things that are not related to our containers. So this is probably, if you have a security team, this is the kind of tool that I feel like the security team is very interested in running, and then they'll let you know the results of the scan they found on your cluster or something like that. So yeah, uh, yeah, very cool. So let's jump over and talk about Tracy, because I was able to learn a little bit about this at KubeCon, so, but I don't know everything about it. Tracy has been described as the little sister of Trivi that has been in marketing for a long time, but it actually has very little to do with Trivi. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily call it the, I'm a bit, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not too fond of that saying, if you know Tracy or if you've heard that before. But yeah, Tracy is ultimately a runtime forensics tool. It uses eBPF, which is this cool new technology that basically allows you to access events like on the kernel level of your nodes, of your uh, machines. So what Tracy used to do, and that's what it does, is it runs on your nodes. It could be like a virtual machine. It could be your your own machine. It could be your Kubernetes cluster node. And then it, it runs basically on every node. And then it listens for any events that any system calls on the, on the kernel level and reports on those. Now that's like the first part. And then the second part is that it has a set of rules, Tracy rules that are just set. You wouldn't really modify them. You just run them as part of Tracy. And those rules based on the, re on the research that's done within Aqua on what kind of the issues are commonly observed on the node level that users might want to be aware of. And then you basically have all of these events being outputted by Tracy of, of things that happen actually on a node level. Like usually what happens on a node level, you wouldn't really know. Um, it's like kind of, if you think about it, you have like your, you have your node, you have your application running within your Kubernetes cluster, right? And you might see, you see the events from that, from the pods that are running the application, but you might not necessarily, and on the logs, but you might not necessarily see how does it interact with the node or what is the kind of, what is the communication with other, with other parts of the application of your services? And Tracy is really just the main functionality is really expose all of the events that are happening on your node level. And then in addition, you can add the Tracy rules, which is filtering those events because obviously you have like a stream of events. Yeah. <laughs> and what's most interesting about this kind of tool is the rule set, I think, because a lot of us are like the mere mortals of the container world, you know, we don't know what we need to track, right? We don't know what we need to look for. And I noticed that there, I was talking to, at your booth actually at KubeCon about the mm -hmm. default rule set. And so I was just pulling that up because you can turn on and off these rules, I think like you were talking about. And you can, but you wouldn't actually necessarily do it. That's something else that I personally want to change about the user experience. So you wouldn't necessarily turn them off and on. You would run them either out of the box or you would define your own rules. And that's what a lot of companies do that use like projects like Tracy or Falco by Sysdic as like a similar project. So usually companies just want to get all of the events from the node level and then apply filters. No, these out of the box filters that are created by the security team at Aqua. And that's again, that's one of the benefits that if you are choosing any security scanner, Make sure you know like who's working on a security scanner and what kind of information it's using. For example, Trivi is using information from the security research team at Accra, and similarly, Tracy is doing that as well. And that's what those signatures are based on. Like if you, like you can, if there's a noisy signature that you don't actually don't care about, that's just throwing continuous like 
streams of information at you that you don't necessarily want to know, then you can obviously turn the signature off. Then that's advisable. Like, okay, turn it off. Like if that's something <laughs> that is just creating noise, then yeah. yeah, then don't care about it. Yeah. And that's generally the problem with all of our security tools is that the tuning so that, like you said, a alert fatigue doesn't set in and we start ignoring all the things we implemented to warn us about yeah. stuff like this. And that's why I think yeah. sometimes, I mean, I can't, we can't say it enough. Start slow, start one tool at a time and get that tool to a point where it's only alerting on the really bad stuff so that you can at least manage your work. Because if you're ignoring the alerts, the tool's not doing any good and you should just, you yeah. know, you might as well just get rid of it if you're not looking at the alerts. Exactly. So, yeah. And I love that this is open source because we're, we had Liz Rice recently on the show from Isovalent talking oh, about really? eBPF. I, I knew, yeah. I know nothing about eBPF. I'm not a kernel developer. And she helped explain a little bit about eBPF. So if you are all listening and you're like, this sounds interesting, but I have no idea what that BPF thing is. Scroll back in this channel a little, a few times to find the Liz Rice eBPF episode. She actually is writing awesome. or is still writing a book. I think it's not out yet on eBPF that you can get like a free excerpt from actually as well. By the way, I wanted to mention from you earlier, you were talking about the trivia operator. You have a video on this. Yes, I have lots of videos on it. On so, like yeah. Specifically different components, like different Kubernetes components. So yeah, for example, trivia operator and to CLI. But also on my channel, you can find like a specific video, just on operators explaining what do operators do in your cluster. And I love to draw things. So you see me life drawing things. Very nice. Yeah. Find that video. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So I guess, would your recommendation be for people to start with Trivi and like, what do you think that is the order of, if I'm going to implement all these to tools do. and I, yeah, like what's mm -hmm. the road, roadmap look like for people? Yeah, so I would suggest you start with Trivi, start with the CLI, get used to it, play around locally. You can do lots and lots of filtering of your different security issues of the different scans from the Trivi CLI. It's a really powerful CLI. It has, but the thing is, while it has like a standard of like how each command is run across its different features, it it has quite a it has an onboarding curve. So once you get used to it, you can it enables to do to run a lot of different scans. And once you're comfortable with the CLI and you kind of know how to filter for different vulnerabilities. We also have some tutorials on the open source, Aqua open source YouTube channel. Like if you look Aqua open source, you will find it. Then you can cool. get started integrating Trivi in your workflow, for example, in your GitHub Actions. We have some examples in the documentation for different CI/CD pipelines and do continuous scanning from within your delivery pipelines. And if you're using Kubernetes, that's when I would get started with the operator then play around with the operator. Now, it also depends what kind of, for example, what kind of other applications you're using. For example, if you're using VS Code, you can use the VS Code extension. If you're using Vim, you can use the Vim extension for Trivi, and you can do also continuous scanning on your resource while you write them with, with Trivi, with the integrations. So check out the integration section as well. Play around with those. If you're using Docker, Docker Desktop, we have a Docker Desktop extension as well that does the vulnerability scanning for you. Now, once you're comfortable with all of that, then you can dive into like the, I guess, more niche 
features of Trivi. For example, Trivi can generate S-bombs and do lots of things with those S-bombs. So an S-bomb is basically an inventory list of everything that's, for example, in your container image. Like it details all of the different packages that are used within the container image. That's one of the features, but Trivi has also, we are integrating cloud scanning. So you can scan also all the services in your AWS account. Again, it's a very versatile tool. It really depends what are you using already, right? <laughs> And then what's useful to you, what benefits you the most? Yeah, it feels like almost yeah. it's becoming sort of a Swiss army knife a little bit of scanning all the things. <laughs> yeah. in, and that's the trick too, is because we've got so many tools in our pipelines already. It's, it, we, it's almost like we have that Linux mindset, the Unix uh, sort of motto of do, you know, small tools doing one thing well, you know. And the challenge with that is that our software lifecycle has gotten so com complicated with all the things we have to do to keep it safe and yeah. secure that we don't maybe need 20 tools in our pipeline before things go totally. from, you know, commit to production. There's a lot of stuff going on there. And I have people on this show all the time that are just another tool, another idea, you know, scanning your YAML with this tool, scanning your clusters with that tool, yeah. scanning your images with this tool, setting up, uh, it just... It's a lot. So I really appreciate sometimes when tools like this take a, a different approach and they say, hey, look, we're not going to make yet another tool. It's just going to be an option. Like it's, it all it's, yeah, it's very much a, the Docker way, right? I think they call it yeah. batteries included, but swappable. And I feel like that's mm. kind of what Trivi is doing a little bit where you don't have to use all these other features. You could use it just for the, the YAML scanning or the image scanning, but it has an increasing amount of these tools built in. So you don't have to go learn another project. You can just keep using yeah. The one you know. Very That's cool. the thing. For example, regarding like if you're using Terraform, it's using TFSIC under the hood to do Terraform misconfiguration scans. So you could use that project separately as well. You don't have to use Trivi for your Terraform scans. But the thing is, Trivi wraps it up in the standardized CLI. And that makes it possible to do all those different scans through the same kind of process um, mm. without having to get used to like onboard it to yet another tool. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the... I'm, benefits of it. And I'm also glad you mentioned the Docker desktop extension, because for those of us that are using Docker desktop, I'm a fan. The extension marketplace is like the feature of 2022. It's the thing we've been talking yeah. about all year long. And the ability for you to just go in that extension store, find Trivi, click install it, and it gives you a GUI. You can actually, it gives you a nice little GUI right inside there. And it gives you nice, pretty colors for the sets of vulnerabilities. So if you're not someone who's 100% shell all the time. I know you people. I am one of you people at times, but I also sometimes just want a, a GUI. I don't want to have to remember the command line tool that I don't remember all the yeah. options for, right? So yeah. so the, the GUI is there now. Docker Desktop is the gateway to that. The extensions, we've been talking about them all year. So it's really exciting that you all have that in there because I, I do want people to know about these tools and I know that not everyone in the world yeah. watches this show. So... So the more ways we can get, we can slide these security tools like gently into people's workflows, the yeah. better, I think. Yeah, totally. You don't have to be a security professional to use security scanners. That's the main, yeah. I think that's the main takeaway of like, everybody could use Trivi. It's like a tool for everyone. <laughs> everybody that's who's dealing with development resources. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We've covered a lot. We could probably talk about two more hours on this stuff. But we all have more work to do. So thanks so much for being on the show. People should check out your channel listed below. Check out the Aqua Security channel and YouTube. Your Twitter handle, you're on Twitter like me regularly, every yes. day just about. <laughs> uh, our Twitter handles are below us. So reach out there if people have questions. Anything else I'm forgetting? Trivia well, is all of our projects are open source. You can contribute. Please do join our channel. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Very nice. Thank do you, you go having me. <laughs> yeah. And do you, last question, do you... 
when you do live streams, are you doing them on a regular mm-hmm. basis? Should I tell people? We no. tell people no. Okay, it's just a surprise. <laughs> it's a spontaneous thing that I do. <laughs> Perfect. So <Yeah. laughs> you have to subscribe to her channel and click the bell <laughs> in order to exactly, know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to join one of my live streams, it's yeah, a very perfect. spontaneous thing for me. <laughs> very cool. I'm glad you're doing it. We need more people live streaming their their cloud native work, essentially. So, awesome. and I'm glad you're doing it here on YouTube. Okay. All right, everyone. We'll be back next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode.